Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly on Thursday the 27th of October 2022. I'm your host Chris Gallagher and we have plenty to talk about in the world of Celtic. I am joined by Christopher Somani. Hello Christopher, how are you my friend? Uh, I'm okay. Um, Buzzing to talk about (laughs) Celtic. Uh, Shakhtar and then Livingston. Yep. Woo woo. Woo woo. Uh, we're also joined by, keep that energy up. Uh, we're also joined by Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, mate. Tip top. Looking forward to it. Lovely. Um, I've got some unfortunate news from myself and Alan. We have to open up the podcast by giving kudos to Christopher Sermani. Um, yesterday, uh, sorry, not yesterday, last Friday, I was walking to record The Lunch Club, which is a podcast that drops every Friday. Uh, you can check it out on the as you get ready for the weekend. Um, but I got, I got a WhatsApp on the Cynic WhatsApp from uh, a gentleman called Jordan. Uh, I'll read out the message. Hey, morning. Just listening to the weekly. Great stuff as usual. Sir Manny had a point on O'Reilly not enjoying play, being played in the six at Fulham. Here's the article from The Athletic where it was discussed. I'm going to read out the quotes. That's right, somebody copied and pasted the article to me because I didn't subscribe. <laughs> uh, so here's a quote. O'Reilly made the match day squad in the league on nine consecutive occasions at the back end of 2019 before before his first league involvement against Reading on New Year's Day. Parker, Scott Parker, he says, saw him as more of a classic number six and that added competition. I respected that, says O'Reilly, but I also thought I had more to my ga- more to my game to offer. When you play deeper, you don't have as much license to go forward. I feel like it was restricting my strengths. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really how I wanted to play. He says he had a good relationship with Parker. He always spoke highly of me. So, uh, so, so you want to get Ange a subscription to the Athletic? <laughs> quite clearly. Uh, so yeah, Chris, um, he's got to be a left back soon, isn't he? <laughs> get some mere technicians on that park. Oof. We're going to, but yeah, S- con- congratulations, Chris. No, thanks, thanks. Never S- in doubt. Scott Parker, sharp eye, sharp dresser. Good. Yeah, is he's, he left film, he's unemployed currently, so... Get him in. Get him in. Bring him in. <laughs> Another um, midfielder, number six as well, ideal. Short yes. yeah. So that was, um, uh, mind, uh, back in the day, Scott Parker. Aye, it was him. I'll get to my point. <laughs> Remember the McDonald's advert? Uh, the wee guy doing the keepy-ups? Jimmy, we're off to McDonald's. That was him. Probably is. I mean, we, we didn't remember oh, last week. So you'll get a text tomorrow. I'm going to get a WhatsApp saying tomorrow like. saying Chris or Manny said on the weekly. Uh, but no, that was like Scott Parker. Uh, that was a good player. Thanks very much, Jordan. Appreciate the uh, the feedback and appreciate the fact that you have now given Sir Manny ammunition moving forward. But <laughs> ammunition for me to half remember something <laughs> for weeks on end and then drag it out. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, that I like Scott Parker. I thought he was a good player. I thought his career kind of stuttered a little bit when he went to Chelsea, but you know. Steve Sidwell was the other one. Remember, he went on a free. Chelsea used to get free, free transfers in a very, weird very way. different type of player. Not anywhere near as oh, good yeah, Steve Sidwell. Yeah. Uh, he was. He kind of who released him? Somebody released him, and then he went to Reading. Yeah, then, I can't remember who, but he was all he was linked with us when he because he was a free agent after he left Chelsea, and he was one of those guys who just every now and then came up, just a bit of a pain in the ass. Linked. Um, right, let's let's let's. Oh, this has been fun. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, terrific. Off we go. Um, Celtic one, Shakhtar Donetsk gone. Well, I'll let you know. We're going to talk about Celtic and Shakhtar. We're going to talk about Livingston. We have a brief chat about Real Madrid as well. Uh, we've got plenty of questions from uh, the listeners. So thank you. A couple of voicemail, voicemails or um, uh, voice notes uh, through the Cynic uh, WhatsApp. Celtic one, Shakhtar one. We were all at the game. We all uh, sampled 
the atmosphere. Um, we all sampled the disappointment, but let's kind of get your overall thoughts on the game or your first kind of thoughts on the game. Alan, we'll start with yourself. It's been two days since, two days since. How are you feeling? Well, how are you feeling then? How are you feeling now? Um, I think on the night, disappointed, but probably not. It, it wasn't the same feeling as any of the previous games because there wasn't as much at stake. I think I talked about it last week saying it was a chance to salvage maybe and go into the Madrid game with something competitive. I, I just don't think we played very well. So I think by the time the final whistle came, to be honest, I, was, I had accepted it long before because um, I know we had chances. We'll maybe talk about it in a wee bit more detail, but I, I don't think we were great on the night. Um, could have won it, could have lost it. Just a bit disappointing. Um, I think after the kind of the level of performance that we've put in at times in this group wasn't matched at any point um, on Tuesday night. So it's disappointing. It's been a really disappointing campaign. But you know, can, can I ask you a question? Moved on pretty quickly from it. I felt as, as if. Can I ask you a question? And we'll get some Annie's thoughts in a minute. You know, you said it, the performance didn't kind of meet the highs of you know the other games. Why? Why do you th- why do you think that is? Because I've been trying to figure that out for the last two days. I think one of the the obvious ones would be I, I really don't think the system and the changes that he made worked at all. Um, I think when I seen it, I, th- I think traditionally uh, when people see it and they see two strikers on, you probably think good, excellent. We've been missing chances, so why not pick two? And you might take them, but I just don't think Kyogo works anywhere else other than as a striker. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it worked at all. I don't think we were as good in the ball. I don't think we created as much. There was flashes, but Kyogo is a striker. I've seen him once play wide. I've seen him once, now yeah. once kind of drop in. He's good when he does that as a striker, not as a kind of number 10. I felt like we lost something in that area of the park. We lost, largely that's where a lot of our good quality comes from, those rotations and kind of two yeah. you know, areas. And I just don't think it was very good. I, I, I wasn't keen on it from the start. But, you know, you give it a try, see what happens. A big game to make a change like that, I think you're slightly moving away a little bit from what it is you want to do. And wasn't can, a- can everything he's been saying, like everything he's been saying about, yeah, and, and not to get totally on Angie. Chris, your, your kind of thoughts? I'm a bit different from, well, I got over it pretty quickly, but I was really disappointed. It felt, for me, it felt it was the worst performance that we've put in in the Champions League. And, because it didn't have much at stake, I thought that we would maybe have gone at it a wee bit more. Again, similar to the Leipzig game, circumstances a bit different. I, I thought we lacked the intensity that we've seen. Yeah, that first half against Real Madrid, Real Madrid seemed so many miles away. We never really got back to that intensity or that pace. Now, the crowd were rocking that night. It was the European champions in the first game in the Champions League in five years. I know that can fuel the team and I know we're missing some key players but we've not got close to it. It's not even like that intensity has been apparent in anywhere near it in any of the games. I thought this might have been the one. I thought, you know, we've talked about the atmosphere, you know, what comes first, the atmosphere or the performance sort of thing. I thought that we might have got that and that would have g the crowd up because I, I talked about it last week and I've talked about it before. It was an ideal opportunity to underline and to cement the things the manager's been saying and what a lot of people have been saying. This has not been a bad campaign. We've missed chances, and if we had taken them, the the, the, the group would have looked different. Um, all those things. And I'm not even saying that they are necessarily untrue now, 
they just feel a bit more hollow when you play against a team like Shakhtar. And let's be honest here, Mudrik aside, because he's clearly a match winner and we'll talk about him, they look really average. The keeper, um, on the way they were playing out from the back, I just thought, see an on-form Celtic pressing Kyogo, the way that we've seen him doing that, you, you would expect or hope he would cause him havoc. But he didn't. It was just, everything was just tepid, bland, we weren't bad and we weren't good. We could have won the game. We could have lost the game. I just wanted to see a wee bit more and we didn't get it. And, you know, the Real Madrid game, and we'll talk about that, you just kind of want that out of the way. You just want the campaign over. And, you know, if we get into the Champions League next season, you will look back and go, you know what? We did have some good performances. You learned from that. You learned from this. With a bit of distance. But see, right now, I don't really want to hear about our XG and all that sort of stuff. Fundamentally, we've got two points, likely to finish on two points in a group. We probably should have got more. Um, yeah, and, and for me, that's it. You either get them or you don't, and we didn't. So um, I'm over it. Doesn't sound like I am. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> I'm o- I am over it, and it, it's not a major blot on the copybook, but I think we missed an opportunity to send notice, perhaps, to what we, we're going to plan to do next year, or hopefully. Alan? I think that last point is pretty much it. If you would have won the game on Tuesday, I think you would be then more comfortable looking at all the positives, as in all the chances we've created and say, well, there's learnings to be taken. You've not really, in the five games yet, been able to get one over the line despite playing really well. You can look at that as a positive and say, the more games you get, the better. Also look at it and say, you know, that that idea that you'll be better in your second year doesn't necessarily shake out. Mm. I mean... There's no guarantees that it's going to, we're going to get you know, an easy group or... that The group dynamic is one, but, you know, Brendan Rodgers in the first season, I think we were really encouraged. Second season, you get a really tough group and it was just a complete kind of washout. I think mm. we, we did qualify because of the the win away and elect. Um, but, you know, not a great... So the idea that it's just this natural progression, you're hoping that's the case, but it's not necessarily. And I think... It's hard when you just don't get that one. So it was disappointing. It was, I think it was flat. It was really poor that that carried around the stadium. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think a wee bit of time away from it, you will be able to look back and and probably see that there were positives, but there's a big learning to be taken from pretty much every game. I think that's true. And with time, you will be able to look back and and analyse it. Right now, you know, points you make about building experience most of these guys this is the first experience of the Champions League and it might not go for us next season but it might you know people might know what to expect in terms of the standards and all that but the new see if somebody's telling you that it's not a new mate not a new right. yeah you know see what I would say about you know for me personally what when the kind of I was walking out the stadium with with Claire uh, and we were talking about it and it kind of you know I thought to myself this is a really young, exciting, dynamic Celtic team under a manager that we all kind of have on, you know, a lot of people have him on a pedestal, which is, you know, is what it is. But like we all respect him and put him in high regard. And we are just really quite far off it. And I almost think, I, I don't know how much more Celtic can improve so for me, it was more of a stark realisation that I don't know how much better we can get, Alan. I think the criticism that the manager will come in for after the game, I think, I think, in my opinion, and I know that means absolutely nothing, but 
it's quite hard to see what we thought we would be able to do with that lineup, like putting Kyogo in that kind of area. Do you think this is an Ange mistake? I, I, well, I think it was. You didn't win the game, so you know you get to win on that stage. But we just didn't play particularly well. Now I know you're missing McGregor, you're missing Jota, you are slightly limited, and you've got two strikers. Gigi is scoring goals at the moment, not really contributing out with that, but he is scoring goals. Kyogo's kind of struggling, missing chances, but doing all the kind of other things largely quite well. So I get the idea that maybe play them both and they'll play themselves in. But if you play two and they don't really play very well, then you're just in the same position that you were in. Yeah. Kyogo really... You're losing something as well, in a way. I just think when you look at Kyogo, you just look at him and think he's an out-and-out striker. He can drop in, but he does that as a striker, not... He's not a number 10. I saw him recently. His touch isn't great. He's not really... I wouldn't say he's got exceptional vision. It's his movement, his intelligence off the ball. You put him in an area where he becomes really important to both sides, as in really important to the right winger and the right back and really important to the left wing and the left back if you play him in that kind of roving role. I just don't think it worked out. A couple of occasions here and there, and then he gets a chance. Obviously, he doesn't take it, but it was quite hard to see when you look back on it to make that change and play them both. I, I, I just didn't. I wasn't keen on it from the start. I, I maybe thought he would go two up top and change it elsewhere, but it didn't. It was just Kyogo kind of playing in an odd half and half role, and I just don't think it worked out. And I'd be very surprised if he went back to it. If you do that in a domestic game and you win, you can say, "Well, you won the game; it's fine." You do it in a as a pretty big game. You know, if you won there, then you've at least gone into the Madrid game with something to play for, and the hope you've only got six of these games. You kind of don't want to get it wrong. And I, I, I feel like it was a... I, I, I just don't think it worked, to be honest. And I'd be very, very surprised if you've seen it again anytime soon. Chris? Um, I, I was curious about it because it's something that some people have mooted and floated, thinking, you know, maybe he can he can be more creative in there. I thought his movement, you know, from what I've seen, you know, certainly in the first half, um, that's his strength. And I think it was still his strength in terms of when he was playing there. At times, though... Um, he just seemed to lack that. He, he, the lack of he's really lacking in physicality to play at that part. And, you know, number tens aren't always going to have you know be extremely physical or, or whatever. But he seemed to get muscled out. You know, he doesn't have the creativity of a classic number ten to mitigate the fact that his frame. I don't think suits him to playing in that part of the position in that part of the park. Sorry, I wasn't that bothered about it. I thought it was. This might sound a bit weird. I thought it was a quite brave because some people would make say there's a thin line between bravery and stupidity. But for me, Angel would make decisions like that and see if he'd laid it through for Jack Amakis for the first goal and then got on the end of the second one and we won. You know, everybody would be saying, What a stroke of genius, you know. Okay, that didn't happen, so that's not what, why you're not saying it. In in hindsight it does look daft, but when I seen it I thought well, at least he's going for it. It looks as if we're just trying to get as many technicians onto the park. To, oh it, it just it it did look as if you know we were going on the front foot to attack from the minute it go. We just didn't do that, and then I suppose it looks daft in hindsight, you know. But I suppose that the only thing you can take from him doing that is I'm the same as you. I don't really want to see him there again. I don't think the best attributes of his game are going to shine if he plays there. Similarly, on the left, when he played out there as well, for me, Kyogo plays through the middle if he plays. Um, and if he's on form, he's a fantastic footballer, but I think the problem we've got just now is he's still a wee bit cold form-wise, you know. Um, obviously, Giacomacca scores the goal. Um, 
that obviously, <clears throat> you know, there'll be a lot of people now saying he scored more goals in the Champions League than Kyogo. Use that as a kind of uh, barometer. Uh, Alan's nodding no away. Factually, is correct. Yeah, he has. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, like... It's his, you, first, it's, it's his first, like, I think we talked about it last week, maybe, or maybe it was on the agenda or something. Yeah. Both of them, have, it's the first time any of them have scored in the Champions League or against Rangers. A big, a big goal, so yeah. So it, it does... Doesn't yeah. do any harm, certainly. No, no, um, no, of course, yeah. And he, he did take it well, so I don't like taking that taking that away from him. Oh no, I, I wouldn't take it away from him. <laughs> what I'm saying when I say what pe- people will use that now is an argument to play him over Kyogo, and mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying that's you know yeah. a bad thing. Um, you know, we're going to have to have a kind of something's going to happen, I guess, with Kyogo and, and Jackamacus. Where, well, I mean, who would you start on? Like, just we don't want to jump ahead to. Like, Forget Livingston, Real Madrid. Who would you start up front? Just out of curiosity. For me, Kyogo's a better footballer than Jack and Marcus. Um, Jack and Marcus will probably get you more goals, but the question mark is about both of them at this level. That's the, See this whole, who would you play? I, I know you asked that question because it's who we've got, but the question might be, do we need to improve in that area going forward? I think that's the, I mean, I think that's the ultimate question. Isn't Bec- it? Because there was... There, it's got to a stage now where people are questioning Kyogo. Now, that wasn't the case because we've seen what he's capable of. And if he hits that rich vein of form that we've seen him get again, um, seen him um, have before, we're going to stop questioning him. But right now you're thinking, you know, do we need more quality? Do we need somebody else to take up that? Do we, could we accommodate three? Because they've both got different, different attributes. But the question is domestically, who is it? But at that level you're thinking... Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can then argue about the shape and how that affects the rest of the team and the way we play. Fundamentally, if if both of them aren't able to kind of reach the levels required um, in the Champions League or even in Europe, then we might need to start looking elsewhere. Uh, Alan, just in, in regards to like who would you start against Real Madrid, like it's such a different kind of kettle of fish in regards to we'll probably have a lot more running. We'll probably be pinned back a little bit. Oh, maybe we fucking won't. I don't know. <laughs> This point, I think you could probably see probably yeah, will be aye. Aye. Um, and, and we'll touch on Real Madrid towards the end, but like, like can't wait. <laughs> uh, it's just too, you know, looking at it, you know, you made Jack Marcus has scored a goal, Kyogo kind of hasn't. Kyogo's probably um better suited to Real Madrid in terms of you know breaking and all that, but I guess there's an argument for, for GG to play. I'm similar to some, they're both going to play a big part in. All of the games between now and the, you know, the winter break. But if I had to pick and I had to kind of stick my neck out and say, you have to pick a starting team, which one of those players would you put your faith in? I'd put my faith in Kyogo. Just, I think he is a better footballer. I really like Gigi and he's got an incredible knack of scoring goals, which turns out to be quite fucking handy. But <laughs> Kyogo's a better player, in my opinion. I think he adds more to the team. He is going through a period at the moment where he is really kind of struggling I think he really has badly lost confidence and I don't even just mean mm. with finishing yeah. his overall play Played. really has dropped off so if he gets back to that level then he I think he is your outright starter but the fact that he's in and out at the moment um, and, and then being kind of jammed into other roles probably doesn't reflect particularly well but if I was picking not even against Real Madrid Livingston if I had to pick a team and everybody was fit Kyogo would be my starter um, and that, that is with great respect to Gigi but they both will have a big part to play I think the only other thing that was, we talked about last week as well is after the winter break you do you don't have Europe so that game time becomes a little bit more precious they need to rotate maybe drops off slightly Yeah. so 
then you might start to see a bit of clarification over, you know, He's what lost. the plan is, etc. At the moment, there's loads of big games. They're all big games. There's plenty of game time for everybody, so it's not really as big an issue. But I think after, you'll start to see that. I uh, got a question from uh, Joe Goss. Uh, he uh, oh, in. Good man. Um, that team last night really missed Jota. This is, he was saying this yesterday. Uh, that team last night really missed Jota, McGregor and Starfield. But even if they were playing, how many more players do you think we'd need before we could make any inroads at all in the Champions League? We've got a few questions based around the idea of how many more uh, we'd need in. Starting for, with 14 would be... <laughs> I, I would be happy with that. That would, that would maybe help. Um yeah, I, th- I think to compete with Shakhtar, I, I think you just need your players you've got to play at their best. Yeah. When you talk about playing Real Madrid and Leipzig, though, you can pick as many as you like, to be honest. It's going to be very, very difficult. But when you're playing against a team like Shakhtar, and there are other teams like that in the Champions League, we do have good enough players to compete. I, I haven't watched us play 108 minutes against Shakhtar. If that team we picked on Tuesday was to play at their best, I do feel like they could win the game home and away. And I think that we've seen that. Doing it though has obviously been been the issue. So I, I don't really like talking about players missing when you're talking about Shakhtar against the other two teams. I think is entirely legitimate though, and even with those three players, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. But you know, better players never hurts. Out of those three, if you're going to talk about the the Shakhtar game, Jota's quality and delivery from wide. Um, Aye, that's what he plays out wide. His the, his delivery is what we missed hugely because it was awful. Quite frankly, on Tuesday, Haksabanovic and Abada, the the quality was really really bad. And I actually said that at the game. You really miss Jota um, in terms of getting balls into the box and just he's overall. I mean, he's better player than the two of them, and just the overall danger that he kind of possesses. I thought that was really stark. I mean, it goes without saying in the middle of the park with McGregor. But Starfelt, I think we've really missed. I now, Jens, well. there's a million. I mean, I, I, what I will say about Jens is he's put the Welsh question to bed to an extent, and I know Welsh hasn't been fit, but I think most people would probably say, you know, he's better than Welsh, and you would you would start him there. But he's just one of these guys that he's just not good enough. You know, he's 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 not good enough. He's got attributes. He could contribute in our squad over the course of a domestic season, uh, but. When you're putting them in at this level, you'll get away with them at times as well. But in terms of uh, a centre-half capable of performing at this level and across a season for us, I don't think that's it. Starfelt, it was a shame we never got to see him in the Champions League because I know a lot of people are, are, are hot and cold on him. I love him. Me, you love him? Good. When, uh, when he's fully fit, I think Vickers can make up for deficiencies in other centre-halves. I don't think he needs to do that anywhere near as you know with Starfelt. I think they complement each other quite well. well yeah. um, whereas then Vickers is when he's got Jens or Welsh next to him, you know there might be a preoccupation in terms of organising the defence or whatever. Maybe I'm being a bit simplistic when I say that, but him and Starfelt felt very comfortable together. It was almost a partnership of equals. It reminded me of Stubbs and Reaper to, to an uh, extent. That wasn't a partnership of equals. That one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But you know, know what I mean, though. Ah, I, yeah, okay. I, I, I know what you mean as well. Ah, they were a partnership, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think uh, <laughs> similar. Day, you pat in the head. Pat in the head. Prank. I do know. I, I do know what he means. I do. But that's. I think that's what we missed. Um, that's not to say that you know he, he wouldn't have found it tough at this level like a lot of our players have. But yeah, I'd have liked to have had a run with them two at centre half in the Champions League just to see what level of that. Um, and going back to Joe's original point, I any number if we're wanting to compete with the top teams, but 
I, not, maybe not even top teams, maybe just with the second seed. Perhaps, like, yeah. And and it goes back to what I said five minutes ago. Maybe. Because there, there are plenty of se- second seeds in certain groups. And again, it just comes down to luck, doesn't it? Because look at the like Barcelona, Inter Milan group. And Barcelona didn't even qualify. Bayern, Inter Milan and Barcelona. Like, is it um, that Plitzen? Plitzen, you know the most a lot of teams would have been you know zero mm-hmm. points so and we could have got that group but my point being there are other second seeds that i look at and i think yeah we could take them would we beat them i'm not saying we would but you certainly wouldn't be as daunted uh with other teams so does come down to luck of the draw do we need a ma- match winner alan uh, is jota you know he's, he's he scored the goal and um uh, against leipzig he's maybe not uh, let up the Champions League is the way we'd hoped, but I also, you know, I wouldn't hold absolutely would not hold that against him. And he's still only young. But could we do with someone else in there? We'll just get a little bit of something. I think at Champions League level, I think when you look at the five matches that we've had and you look at the areas of the part that you would like to improve, I think it wouldn't take you long to say that you are one winger short. I potentially even make that argument for pretty much any game that you're picking at the moment. Jota being out has really brought that forward. I really like Haksibanovic. I think he's a really talented player. Me too. I, I'm not convinced he's, he's an out-and-out winger. Um, I, I'm struggling really to think of what game he's played out wide where he's really impressed. Hibs. He was good against Hibs. Yeah. Bernabe. Uh, we did win 6-1, I'll give you that. <clears> that and he, he did come off at half-time though. Um, I, I just think <laughs> it looks like a yeah. player that I think wants to be a bit more freedom of movement. I think he wants to... So he's in a country for that, pal. <laughs> Brexit means Brexit. Absolutely not. Um, I, so, I don't know if he's an out-and-out winger. It'll take him a bit of time to come in, come in but when I think you've seen the ability he's got when he's in the middle of the party, he's maybe linking up a little bit more. I think the... And it kind of goes against a lot of maybe what we're saying. I think the star in a lot of the performances, not results, hasn't been one individual. It's been actually the collective and it's been the system. It has put us in opportunities where we probably should have scored more goals, maybe even then took more points. So I, I don't think it's a case. Of, I don't think this is a problem solved by taking one player out and putting another in. Um, I think it is. Yeah. There's a combination of factors, but I think the system works largely quite well with the exception. I think Shakhtar is a bit of a a slight difference there. I don't think I don't think if we had a striker say it was on form, I'm not necessarily convinced that you'd be looking at this saying we're, we're going to finish second or third. I think you just need to hope that players can have that calmness of thought maybe where they haven't so far. Um, I, and then you could level that at four or five to be honest, but then it's done. When I saw the team, I thought he'd went back to, so when the team came out, and I will try to figure out the formation. I thought he'd went back to what he did at Ibrox in that first game, and Haksibanovic was still going to be the eight, mm-hmm. and Kyogo was the left. And then obviously, when it was quite clear, why didn't he do that? I think Kyogo's particularly good out left either. He's honest. not very good no, at the not. ten or the eight, mate. Either so. No, I, I when I seen the team, I did think I was in. I was in the boozer, <clears> and I had a look at it, and it's that way. It takes you a wee minute when you've had a couple <laughs> of times, and you're trying to look at it, thinking, "What's that?" And I, I just I, I wasn't crazy on it. Um, I've been wrong millions of times before, but I think in this occasion it kind of it worked out. I just don't think it worked, to be honest. No, I, um, <laughs> I was just get, inhaling deeply now. Uh, Dave Gallagher messaged and says, "Why is our crossing utter shite? Uh, Tuesday night, I have no idea how many crosses my multiple players hit the first man, or was blown into Ryan Christie territory. Uh, the delivery from wide was frustrating, specifically from set pieces." 
and it continued throughout the whole night. And I think was it David Turnbull took one of the last ones, and I'm like, you've been on the bench watching nobody get by the first man. How? I mean, it was frustrating as fuck. Aye, it was. It was like Stalin Petrov's corners um, all over. I mean, you could probably name any number of people that have taken corners for us. That's maybe no fair in Petrov, but I expect. I don't expect much delivery wise from Abada. But I mean, I've, yeah. I've discussed that. Um, although his run is probably what created the goal. That that run that he does where he drifts in from the right is his only strength. Well, his only strength. Um, let's not let's not go down that road, right? But he wasn't delivering anything at all. I wasn't expecting much from him delivery wise. Haxabanovic was really disappointing though. Yeah. He, he, specifically, his corners reminded me of Petrov and his set pieces. It was almost. He hit the first man every time, and you're thinking, surely you're not going to do that again. Oh, wait, yep, yep, he's done that again. Over and over and over again. It was like taking a corner with a medicine ball. It was fucking (laughs) brutal to watch. I remember Petrov used the way he kind of used to put his shoulders down and kind of whip it round, and yeah, it would just hit off. Aye. I just, when you're watching that though, like from the bench, do you not get a message across to be like, don't (laughs) hit better (laughs) corners? There's a middle ground though, do you remember? Barry Robson, the way he used to take a corner. Genuinely, you could you could have an empty goal and you say, I'm the fucking head of that. <laughs> he used to just Rattle them. wallop it and used to think, nah, I'm, I'll just leave that. I'll just pretend I can't get that one. Uh, here's a question. Uh, we got a voice note. Uh, you can uh, send us voice notes uh, via the Cynic WhatsApp. Uh, Stevie Hay uh, sends us from Chicago. Hi there. This is Stevie from Chicago. Uh, I think I'm going to be in the minority with this view, but you know, I'm happy with our Champions League efforts. You know, I posted on some Facebook forum before the game started and I said we wouldn't win a game. Um, I got pretty much dog's abuse uh, for that attitude. Um, did I want that to happen? No, of course, of course not. You know, I hoped and dreamt we would do better. But really, this is, you know, we're just we're just not good enough yet. So, you know, so why am I happy with it? Um, well, first of all, think of our European form, right? I mean, we've been terrible... Uh, across Europe, right, for, for years, right, uh, especially at home, right, Bodo Glimpt, you know, pumped us last year, um, and I think our last group win in the Champions League was against Ajax nine years ago, right, so it's, you know, un- unfortunately, Parkhead isn't the, uh, isn't the fortress that we, uh, we hope or, or think it is, um, and just because we don't know these teams, uh, you know, that are coming, like was Victoria Pilsen, and, you know, things like Shakhtar Donetsk, right? These are Champions League teams that we have to compete against. So to just expect that we're going to win because we're Celtic, that's okay in the league, but we've got to be better uh, when we go into Europe. And then secondly, you know, we've got to be patient as, as, as fans that we can't just expect to win, right? We've got, this is a three-year process at least under Ange. We know now we have our benchmark. We know where we need to be. We've done, we've got two points. Next year needs to be five points. The year after, then we're looking for second place in a group. That's where we need to do. Follow FC Bruges. Anyway, um, I'm happy enough. Uh, let's on a pump uh, Livingston at the weekend. So thanks for the voice note, Stevie. Um, do you think there's too much expectation on this team going into the Champions League for the first time? Or, Stevie makes the point, we've not won a Champions League game since Ajax in 2013. I would I'll probably argue that the quality of the kind of competitions just got to a stratospheric level compared to where we are. 
Um, oh, you both disagree. Just say something. Oh, just I, th- I think patience is very important. I think there's, from my point of view, there's enough progress to say, do you know what, next year you hope you get a favourable draw and you hope that you'll have a bit more composure in the key moments. By the same token, I don't think it's unreasonable to want to win a game. Um, and want to be competitive, particularly with that group. Um, Shakhtar are a good side. They're organised and they have one outstanding talent, but they're not a great side. Leipzig are a good team this year and Real Madrid are Real Madrid. But that's the nature of competition. That's why you go into it. You want to test yourself against these teams and you will be disappointed when you don't come out on top, Um, especially with some of the um, performances that we've put in. Um, So, yeah, I think patience is entirely reasonable to ask for. You can... You can also be disappointed as well. I wouldn't say the two are mutually exclusive, and I'm I'm disappointed with where we're at at the moment. But you know, it's not uh, not quite toys out the pram stage for me yet. Um, see how we go on and and Tuesday night. See, see on the basis of um, you know three year, um, you know people are looking at Club Bruges and saying you know they progressed and and stuff, um, which obviously is true because they're now the top of their group and stuff. Um, but our situation is a little bit different, I think. And here, here's a question from uh, from Kevin McGoldrick. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I hear people say you need experience at Champions League level, which is right. But with Celtic being a selling club and likely to lose the likes of Tati and O'Reilly, who, who look like the ones most likely to be able to make it to the next level, what are the realistic chances we're ever able to, to get to a level of being competitive in the Champions League and get to the last 16? Or should we just accept being part of the competition? Cheers, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. And I think that raises a point about, you know, people talking about you know, it's a project in three years. You know, I, I, I don't think we're going to lose anyone in January, but, you know, summer comes and, you know, those sharks down in England who have way more money than us who just kind of sniff around. Sharks. Well, <laughs> they are in a way. I just mean, I don't want to talk about breaking this team up yet, of course, but we have to be realistic in that, you know, talk about three years. It's just, I just worry that we're going to get to a point where the board, like you mentioned Brendan Rodgers, Alan, and it's like, and we, we talk about how Martin O'Neill and all these managers, it's like kind of upfront money to attract them in. And then it's like, well, you've had your transfer fee, you've had your money, and then just the money that they get to back the club up gets smaller and smaller. We sell some of our better, better assets. It's just the same cycle. And I'm worried that we're talking about a three-year deal and the same shit's going to happen again. Do you have that fear or...? Potentially, but I mean, that's always going to be the case, right? Celtic are a selling club, not through choice, by through economic reality, basically, right? We know that, we understand that. We've talked about it in this podcast many times. You need to get better for planning for that. The manager's been out and said that in a press conference. Can't remember who the guy is off the top of my head, the guy he works with with the transfers. Was Jail, Jail Affairs or um, Peter Lawson? Right. No, I can't. Doesn't matter. Mark Lowell, right? That'll do, right? He's talked about planning not just for the next window or the next. He's you no. Know, he's talked about planning for the next four windows or whatever in terms of how he's going to, you know, how he's going to do that. Because what you want to do is you don't want to go. Oh, this team's good when it's firing all cylinders. If you go, if you can identify somebody to bring in in January who is either as good or better than players we've got in other positions that we're strong in, you bring them in under the. The, the notion that you are going to have to sell some players going forward. Um, O'Reilly, Hitati. O'Reilly's probably more likely to go than Hitati for me just because of the fact he's English and, and um, he's, he's yeah, a bit really younger. Young, yeah. You know, so that will happen, but it's about... Sometimes I think we want to build a team because I think our previous team, Anil's team was like that. We built it 
and we kept it until it disintegrated as opposed to that was one of Anil's weaknesses. That's true. Yeah. But in the modern game, and Ange talking like that is good because that's what you want to do. You constantly churn. If, if there's going to be players going out, you constantly bring players in. That doesn't mean players for players' sakes where you take a punt on a £2 million striker from whatever league like we've done a lot of the time and hope that he's good. We just have to get better. We have to get sharper. We are scouting. We've tapped into the market that we have in Japan to create success because of Ange's knowledge. We can't rely on that forever, but... You know, if we're starting to identify talents elsewhere, that's just what we need to do. They need to come in. We need to bed them into the squad with the understanding that some of the players will move away. Was, the comparison for a club like Ajax is, is 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 an appropriate one for us, I would say. Even though they obviously do it a lot better than us, and they've got they've had players at a higher level, they obviously reached the Champions League semi final not long ago. But look at them now. You know, there's an understanding that these players come in, they build them up. They sell them off and they go down again. But they'll come back, they'll build up, they'll, they've got a fantastic youth academy, as we know, something that we don't, that it would be good if we could work on. But they also buy smartly um, to complement that and going forward. That's, I mean, sounds dead simplistic. That's the sort of model that we need to do. To start doing that, we don't, we can't look at the January window and say, we don't need MD in central midfield because we're well served there. We need to look at that and say, see if we can get somebody in there who is better or as good or whatever is what we've got, you get them in with the understanding that we might lose some of these players going forward. So that's a long-winded way of saying buy first, sell later. Can, can I just say, Chris Armani for director of football? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Don't pay enough. <laughs> uh, Alan, your thoughts? No, I, I think there's a lot of valid points there. I think on the original point about Champions League experience, Ideally, what you're doing is you're selling on your own terms when you're comfortable. Yeah, and that's true. I think at the end of this season, I would expect maybe one, two to go. But ideally, what you're looking to do is is not have a mass exodus of you, simply your best players. It, it, to me, it would be unthinkable that in one year you could have Hatati, O'Reilly, Jota, and Carter Vickers. Say. Mm-hmm. You can't oh, say all four in one in one year, so you have to then decide who who really wants to go, who's at the peak value. And then on top of that as well, and we, we always do this, we think about when we're selling our players, we think the best players will go because that's who our teams want to buy. You also need to look at what you've done this year and think about the players that have served you well, but maybe you I'm could just, upgrade on. Just going to ask that. And yeah. there is a lot of players around the squad that I think maybe people think don't fancy, that they're not a guaranteed starter, but they have a value or they have a value elsewhere. Those are the players I think that we need to start trying to look at and think, Instead of just hoping that, you know, you'll use them as squad players until their contract's up and then they'll go elsewhere, actually look at them and think, can they be marketed? Can they? Can you say to them, look, actually, we think that you'd be best moving on. And I think instead of it just being, who who do English clubs are, as you would say, who, the Sharks, who do they want to come in and sign? You actually start looking and saying, what kind of turnover do we want in the team? And actually try and then build that. So... Ideally, hopefully next season, if you make the Champions League again, you make those group stages, you'll certainly have more experience next year than you did this year. And it does help. I think um, there's a lot of players that would certainly benefit from having had the experience of this year. You do learn. It is only six games, but you do then learn about certain things. And that calmness, I thought, I think has been really evident throughout the whole campaign. The players at times have been good enough 
certain elements they've just they've maybe lost the weight or they've just lost the run of themselves over a kind of very very short period and it's kind of went downhill from there you would be hoping that that experience you then see that you know that you're maybe having moments of the game that aren't going for you but you'll get back there again that's what you're hoping to see because I think there has been a kind of a bit of a cliff edge for us in certain games this year do you think there's and I asked you both of you this and it's uh, I think I probably know the answer. See if we have a player who is very good in Scotland, but miles off it in the Champions League. Do you think the club would look at him and say, well, we are effectively want to be a Champions League club, so we have to replace you? Or do you think they would say, well, maybe if you try harder, you know, we've got an asset there sort of thing. Like, and, I, and, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that, I, I did that stupid wee voice, I didn't mean to. I can understand why the club would look at it and say, okay, this guy's a, the bread and butter's the league, so that's great. But the step up, you know, some of these players probably hopefully next season will be able to maybe from the experience and all that but if we had a player that could play really well in Scotland but just was miles off it in the Champions League or even the Europa League do you think the club would say well we need to replace him or would they say we can try and make him better yeah you always need to you always need to have the mindset that if you can get a better player than the player that plays in that position you go out and buy them but as a squad and in terms of that stability you need players who are going to stay for a long time. Yeah, you know, so we've got balance, yeah. we've got McGregor, we've had Scott Brown, we've even James Forrest. You know, they've all it's partly probably because they're all Scottish, and if they weren't Celtic fans right away, they became Celtic fans if because they were you know involved with the club. I think there needs to be a nucleus of that. Of course, they need to be at a certain level that you're not hampered by the fact that they're sticking around because they've got that. But that's stability going forward because you can't just have a team full of developing, you know, stars that we know are going to go into a higher level because there is always going to be a turnover. And you know, we talk about Brown, and there was a when he retired, or sorry, when he went to Aberdeen. Well, same thing. He, <laughs> you know, there was very good. There was a. We talked about what we would miss in terms of that. <clears throat> you know, his role as a captain, and you know, and the standards that he set, and stuff like that, and. McGregor's picked up that mantle, which some people might not have thought he could, but that's really, really important. Not just from that traditional captain, that sense of you know being the captain. It's about understanding the the levels that are required because when they're set there, then that carries forward. And if you've got guys who are going to stay at the club for a long time, they can do that. Whereas if you if you don't have that nucleus, if you don't have that kind of you know bedrock there. You know, some people might dismiss it and say, look, you just need good players enough to do that. But I don't think so. I think you need that stability and you need that connection, um, you know, in terms of what the club's all about. Um, and it's that balancing act about making sure that they're good enough to perform at a certain level, but not, um, not, I was kind of get the words out here, not too shite to play in the <laughs> Champions League. Um, Sometimes I do that. I just forget what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> how much of it is, is, is luck? Because, you know, I, I was I said to you, Alan, I watched a documentary about the Orlando Magic and they basically talked about how they had a, a, a collection of great players at a specific time and it, they never really had it again. And I think about, like, obviously the team under O'Neill and I think about, like, having Larson and all that and then even the team in 2013, which we we're going to do a, a, a podcast on uh, this week, um, or 2012-2013 when they got to the last 16, even the teams under Strat. <clears throat> How much of it is it lightning in a bottle? And it, it's I've been thinking about this a lot about how how to recreate that and you kinda just can't. A lot of it is luck. Or is it? I mean, do you make your own luck? Is it a case of trying to work around it? I don't know. I think when it comes to team building, it's not 
it's not just luck. Luck helps. Luck helps in game days and things like that. But when it comes to team building, I think there is there's a lot of skill in it, and there is, and I think we've done well in building this team we've got just now. I think it is a really good group. Yeah. It's a young group. They'll get better, um, and a lot of them will probably go on to a higher level. But I think it's the original point you were making about players maybe the crossover between domestic and European football, it's always going to be difficult and there's certain players that, that will struggle with it and there's some who will take well to it. I think the, the, the question though, that it goes to the, the, what it goes to the heart of is ambition and I think, like, I think I've probably said a million times, I, I do always question sometimes the ambition of the club to push themselves a little bit harder, not domestically, but in Europe, I think there is a real reticence to try and change what they feel is a winning formula. The club makes money, you know, it's it's been very, very successful, particularly in the last 20, 30 years. But I think there is a real reticence sometimes and it, it, it's outside thinking that I think it's what it needs, you know. So Manny's, you know, talking about, you know, looking at other European clubs and what they do right and I think that is good. I don't, how much of that do we do and how much of it is down to can we get a good manager in and can he bring players in? People will be, yeah, and we have backed hands, we have. A lot of it, though, initially was because he was he was shopping in a market that I think the board were comfortable with because it wasn't yeah. some of the the sums of money that we've spent previously. He's been we have backed him a little bit more, you know, the outlay on guys like Jota is you know has been there, but it's paid off. I think we are improving, so I, I do always think there is a real reticence. And as always, we probably say this every two three weeks. The concern is is that when the manager then goes elsewhere, I think it is largely down to the mercy of do you pick the right manager next? I think a lot of their success does ultimately come down to do we pick the right manager? And if we don't, then it maybe sends you down the road for, you know, down the wrong road for quite some time. So I don't think it's luck. I think it is, there's a lot of skill to it, but I think it is largely based on what the manager brings in. And we've got a good one just now, so let's uh, let's, let's, let's try and fucking enjoy it. <laughs> uh, just a question from uh, from Paul. He just asked about, um, you know, what do we need to upgrade? He said, do you think we will lose anyone that will result in needing being replaced? Um, and obviously that comes with the January and, and the summer. What I would say is, I, I'd, I'd ask that question and I would say, is there anyone we really, is there anyone that's irreplaceable in this team? Like, completely irreplaceable, like, we couldn't, get it because i'm not sure there is with the exception of maybe mcgregor just in terms of his status and in terms of you know how long he's been here and knowing about the club and the captain and all that craig taylor <laughs> i mean i mean he's he's, he's done well there he, he managed to get the words out before he sniggered yeah uh, <laughs> probably yeah. genuinely a candidate for yeah, playing probably, at this point yeah, as well yeah, absolutely no and that's <laughs> you can look at that two ways you can go that's great Greg, or maybe that's part of the problem. Nah, that's not fair. I, I, think, I'm gonna, I think we're going to have to take some money for a pint after that. <laughs> He's fucking struggling no. as killed in this European campaign. <laughs> no, Taylor's been superb, right? It's not even about Taylor. You know, he, He's really come on leaps and bounds. Going back to the Shakhtar game, that ball he played through for Maida was absolutely sublime. That was, yeah. that, that was superb. Um, but the, you know, the, there's a, a lot of other players that played far far below the, the the level that we know that they're capable of so it, it seems as if there's nobody else that you know seems to be irreplaceable apart from probably McGregor who we had to replace because he's injured exactly yeah Alan I, I think the point I would make is that there's nobody that's irreplaceable at this moment but what you're hoping is that 
you get to a point where these players will improve. It does feel like a lot of the players we're excited about are young and yeah. they're learning. And I think what we're hoping is is that we will get to a stage where we feel as if they are. How could you go to Celtic Park and not watch Jota or not watch, you know, Hatate? I don't think they're there yet. We're really excited. But, and that's the exciting part. You're hoping that all these guys have the kind of moments that the great players we've had over the years have had, you know, yeah. going back to O'Neill's team through to, you know, Strachan, Lennon. They all kind of had a team that had big, big moments in Europe. Yeah. And you're just kind of, I think what we're all waiting for is that point with this team, unlikely to be this year, but hopefully it'll come and then you can start saying, how will we cope without XYZ player? But I, mm. I don't really think we're there at the moment. I certainly know with the, with the attacking players anyway. When I say irreplaceable, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I just mean, that, you know, like, you know, players will will come and go. And I just, I don't think there's anyone. At the start of the season, I probably would have thought, Maybe Kyogo, maybe we can't get a player of his kind of how he'd been playing. And he certainly, at the start of the season, and obviously we, we talk about the League Cup final a lot and stuff, and he had a certain level of, you know, exciting sort of presence about him. And I'm not saying he still can't get that and he doesn't have that. I'm just saying it's maybe, he's not maybe fulfilled the hope, the great hope that we had. And he still can. Again, no disrespect to him. It's just. There's a few players in that team who. You might have at one point referred to as irreplaceable when they were in form. So there's probably a degree of, of over-excitement when you did that. But at the same time, some of those players might become irreplaceable again. Or, or Yeah, yeah, they might become, yeah, yeah. They might, they might get to the level, Kyogo the level is, League Cup final level, you know, Jota. We might see these guys hit those heights again and then all of a sudden you are stock, talking about phrases like irre- irreplaceable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, question, I've got a question for Alan. Alan, this is from David, uh, David uh, McClement. Uh, David. Is James Forrest becoming the new Scott Brown in the sense that every time he's written off and seemingly heading for the exit door, he finds a new lease of life? Thoughts? That's a nice question. I like is that. that. Is that yeah. Positive. I thought you, I, th- I was <coughs> expecting, I think you maybe expected it to be a little bit. Oh, when you said I've got a question for you, I thought you, there was something coming. No, I think he's, he's he has been good and... Um, when you drop out the team, and to be fair, I don't really think it's on any... I wouldn't say it's a case of people are being overly critical. The manager didn't play him. Exactly. He didn't play him for a long time. So um, I think people did understandably think it was unlikely that he would come back into the fold. Maeda was in form, Abada was scoring goals, Jota, then Haksibanovic came in. Naturally, people assumed, probably myself included, that James Forrest was fifth choice and it was unlikely that he would break that. But I think what it's kind of you've seen recently is, and it is just, you know, you know, you are talking two or three games, is that there has been a a contentness amongst us to have a winger that actually maybe just puts a foot in the ball and shows a little bit of guile at times because I think we've been in the, the attacking third at times, we have been lacking that. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. that I, I don't think it'll be a starter the rest of the season, but I think there is a kind of reminder there that, I think people overestimate James Forrest's age a lot when they talk about him. He's not 36, again, again, 37. Again, again, he five years every time um, you talk about him. Yeah, so, no, I think it's been good. And I was really delighted to see it. I mean, he got the goal against Hearts, the most un-James Forrest-like goal you could possibly imagine. Um, I was delighted for him as well. But, yeah, I think whilst everyone else, whilst there are players that are out of form, you play, you know, as, as Lorenzo always says, you play the hot hand and 
know, after scoring a hat trick, he is probably your form winger at that point. Uh, we're going to move on from Shakhtar. One more question before that, but um, we did a reaction straight after the game. It's available uh, at thecynic.co if you want to subscribe. Um, we've got a monthly subscription service that you can um, get involved in. Um, so check it out, thecynic.co. Um, I'm just going to say one name to you, Christopher. Christopher Sermani. And I want to get. I want to maybe have a chat about him. Uh, Moy, Aaron Moy. Uh, I heard someone describe him as the worst substitute he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> um, he didn't play particularly well when he came on. No, he's not the sort of guy you want to bring on to chase a tie in the Champions League. He's the sort of guy you want to bring on when you're 2-0 up, protecting a lead with 20 minutes to go. Um, we've seen Moy can offer more in an attacking sense domestically in some games. Um, but we've seen... Shakhtar away I think he came on late in the game he just recycled the ball kept it moving and you know contributed to a side at that point who we were on the ascendancy and trying to go for a winner he's got a role but he'd been brought on when in situations where you ideally wouldn't bring him on and part of that's due to injuries and maybe part of that's because we've got a bit of bloat in the squad you know if you looked at that bench there was an awful lot of defensive midfielders you could have brought on Um at the exact point that you didn't want to bring any defensive midfielders on. So, I mean, there's been many worse substitutions than than, than Aaron, uh, Aaron Moy over the years. But I must admit, when he came on and I th- we were chasing the game, there was a wee part of me saying, this isn't going to be our night because he's not the sort of player that you want to do that. You know, he, he is capable of, you know, an incisive pass or a potential moment of magic. So that's perhaps the reason why the manager brought him on. But, yeah, that's not the ideal time for me to see him in the park. But I think we should probably be a wee bit more balanced over a course of games about the guy. He's had some great moments for us and he's had some um, bad moments for us. But over the course of the season, I think... You'll balance out. You'll look at it at the end of the season and say, he was an okay sign. You know, he's he's contributed. Alan, you think the same? Yeah. He's going to have to make changes at some point in that game during the week. And as Samani says, I think... It's not a substitution you look at and think, great, delighted he's coming on. But what other options did you really have? You can shuffle it about. Like you could say, put Haxban a bitch in the middle. But he is trying to rotate. He's not trying to run people into the ground. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I don't think the Champions League is what he was brought in for, to be honest. I even think some of the higher level domestic games, he's probably not one that I would like to see starting. But you have got injuries at the moment. You are going to have to rotate. And the other option was to bring on, you know, defensive midfielders which isn't going to help so yeah it's it's not ideal but that I think it, it, with Moy the Moy discussion does seem to be very the highs are really high and the and lows are really low and it's yeah, just yeah. Kind of, it is somewhere again a, 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 probably a fucking dull answer but the reality is somewhere in the middle he, he, he's done okay for his domestically uh, I'm not you know, I wouldn't be too excited but you know he's, he's done a good job for a free transfer yeah I don't think he can complain too much but yeah, it's not what you want to be relying on in the late stages of important Champions League games, certainly. The manager threw him and a couple of others a potential lifeline, depends whether he's telling the truth or not, about the lack of pre-season and they're not up to speed and he signed some of these guys, Haksabanovic, Abelgaard and him, uh, about seeing it the second, second half, half of the season. season. You know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. The one thing I'll say about the three of them is they do not look sharp. They do, Now, that with Moy, that could be He's, he's too old and his legs have gone. <laughs> Haksibanovic, though, is a young guy, and for me, he still looks 
stiff as a board. It does not look as if he's anywhere near up to speed. I couldn't tell you about um, Avogad, to be perfectly honest, but who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see more from them in the second half of the season. Here's a wee voice note from uh, Mikey Doak. Hi, guys. Regarding this week's games, personally, I thought we should have won the other night. I know Shakhtar had two glaring opportunities to score, but um, I just feel as if, again, it's been a story of Europe all season. We swung in front of goal, and hopefully that doesn't carry into Sunday. Hopefully we don't have that hangover, and hopefully put the game to bed very early. Thanks for the voice note. Uh, good man, Mikey. Um, do you think we should have won, or is it a case of just, again, both teams could have won? Yeah, I, I think it's could have won, but that is very much a story of some of the Champions League games. Um, I think when they miss the opportunities... That I mean, that chance did, was ridiculous, man. I've never seen a miss like it before. I think he thinks when he takes a touch, it's going in. Yeah. So he starts celebrating. Um, so no, that was that was probably one of the high points of the night, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, we could, we could have, but, you know, a wee bit of indecision. And I think when he's mentioned the name earlier, Madrid, he, he really did show his quality with it. We showed man. a bit of indecision and you show that and he, he just went straight for the jugular and... Uh, I caught it. I don't think it would. I don't think it's unfair to say that we. He thinks that we should have won. I think that's a reasonable position to take because they were. They were fairly. They were, I think they were fairly average over the two legs as well. Mudrick was obviously real quality in both in the first and the second leg, but he wasn't the difference because through the games were draws. If you, yeah, if you know what I mean, it's not like. He then elevated them as a side above us. Two individual moments of quality probably stopped them from losing both of those games. But see, see the sec- if, if the second one goes in, right, which, you know, the guy thing is it, that is based on Mudrick's run, though, again. Mm-hmm. So, like, he essentially, yeah. So, it, it, it didn't score, I know, I know. He should have shot as opposed to <laughs> playing his mate in with a fucking empty goal. But, and, and, yeah, okay. Fine margins in the Champions League. Are we oh, going back to that yeah, one? Aye. But the, the, that's, a, aye. that's me get bingo, by the way, lads. Fine <laughs> margins is gave me it. But no, I, I just... XG. Um, Mudric, I think, is just... Uh, Mudric? Another player they've got on the bench, eh? <laughs> I would have loved it if uh, somebody would have put him up there, to be honest. On uh, Tuesday night, I'd have quite enjoyed that. And I know that's terrible to say. Gil uh, wants to put me up there right now. And I know we should clap players off the park and all that, but I'd have fucking loved to. Why especially after he's, after he's... No, I was being sarcastic. But I wouldn't right. mind seeing... I wouldn't mind seeing somebody stick one on it, to be honest. See that video of all, the, the, of all the Shakhtar players like in the thing and people are like, oh, they, they, really, they really want... People want to play at Celtic Park. I don't want people who want to play here. I want I want welcome to hell signs and for people to be spat on, you know. I do like the start to the chat. I do like when they play the tune and you just kind of no, I, I just go mean, nuts. I know, but people have kind of turned against that now because it's because we're getting fucking turned over. <laughs> it's not really. It's not. I'm sitting on four four two, mate. It's not my fault that we get fucking pumped. Of course it is, and you know if we had won on Tuesday, this entire thing would be. You know what? We're going to make a go. Huh? Fortress Celtic Park's coming back. You know, fine margins in the Champions <laughs> The good thing is the the folk that are going to Madrid now don't need to go to the fucking game. They can just go and stay and have a lovely time in Madrid. I don't know mm. the main square all day and just get bevied and check this check it on live score. <laughs> Oof! Don't know if you'd put Roman on for that, would you? <laughs> you don't need the inconvenience of having to sashay all the way up to the Bernabeu. You, I just got the Roman bit there. <laughs> Pretty good. Cheers. Uh, see, I've got, we've got one question about the Real Madrid one, and we can kind of uh, have a look at that. Um, Simon emailed in. Uh, 
editor at cynic.co uh, hello what are your thoughts on team selection for the Real Madrid game obviously we don't want to go and get humiliated but would it be no this is Sermani would it be we don't want to get humiliated but would it be worth giving some of the youngsters serious game time not suggesting starting them but 20-30 minutes rather than just 2 minutes at the end might be beneficial um, it's a dead rubber and all this talk of experience and learning over successive years to be a Champions League level team won't mean anything if it isn't built into the club as a whole as well in building a Champions League level team I worry that if we don't start including some of these players in matchday squads and giving them an opportunity but keeping them in the B team we drain the talent of the academy uh, Simon Murphy it's a good question I think it's a great question um, my my, I'll give you my point of view on that is I'm not sure there's enough players that are potentially going to take the step up. You know, you look at someone like uh, maybe potentially Rocco Vata, I don't know, but a lot of these players aren't talked about like they're ready to take the step up. Thoughts? I think... It's a good It's a good idea though. I, I understand what he means, but there's two reasons why I, I, I said I wouldn't do it. One, there's far too high a potential for us to get scudded in that instance. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I really don't want us to <laughs> I don't know why that was so well, funny well, I don't know, it's just I think we should book some money every three or Tuesday night or uh, something uh, um, And second of all, the core group of players will benefit from another game's Champion League experience as well if we're talking about what we're going to do next season so uh, I appreciate it, I understand that, you know the, the, but someone, the, like the Moy, behind it. someone like Moy coming on who is might not get another contract next year. He's only got a year's deal, for example. You know, is he going to... Well, obviously, they'll all benefit playing this game. But what I mean is, and what probably Simon means is, if he gets 15 minutes at the end, would it not be better giving it to someone younger? Maybe a Rocco Vata, maybe... Alan, you're looking at me like I'm a dick. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I think, in principle, the idea is there, but it's very much the same reason I wasn't able to become a surgeon uh, when I left school, because I don't have the talent. You know, that's the, you need players that get the talent. You can't throw somebody in and say, you know, yeah, go and play <laughs> the Bernabeu. You, you need players that are, you need players that are good enough to go and compete at that level because he's only going to learn if he actually is able to take a touch, receive the ball and do all the things he does. And there is a, there is a clear lack of that talent coming through. I think Rocco Vata is someone that has ability. Beyond that, you'd really be struggling to pick out anybody. Think about our domestic games this year when we are winning comfortably. Who are the... These guys aren't even able to get domestic minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very different proposition throwing guys in at the Bernabeu. Um, so I, 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 I think in principle, absolutely. But I think a first team, probably, I think you pick a strong team on Tuesday night because we don't have guys that are sitting waiting in the, the wings that are waiting for minutes. And if they are, the last place you want to go is to the Bernabeu when actually they need to win and you are miles off it because as Samani says, there is a... There is a potential then that you could just waste kind of Actually, yeah. waste the night. And I don't even mean, you know, get absolutely hammered. You don't want to be going there and ten minutes in it is a complete non event because you're two or three nothing down. That does nothing for anybody. Um so you go, you take it seriously, it's a big game and you, there is still there's a pride element. it's not what you want to be playing for, but you need to find a reason to make it competitive, to be honest. And you know, the pride is probably the only one you've got at the moment. See, just come back a bit to you talking about being a surgeon. I've got a vision of you in a white jacket turning up at the Royal looking for a start. <laughs> Can I speak to the doctor? <laughs> can I, can I, can I, I want to be an apprentice surgeon. You're, you're Get a tool bag room. 
Scalpel. <laughs> your knee replacement is complete. That's on your right knee. <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> fuck all wrong with that. Doctor one. comes out and goes like, right, son, go and get us a tin of tart and paint. <laughs> then we'll show you how to uh, how to do uh, an operation. <laughs> I, don't know. I like the idea as well that I was uh, very uh, bashfully said that at the end of school as if up until sixth year it was a reasonable prospect <laughs> I don't think any of my teachers in first and second year were thinking uh, surgeon one day no um, absolutely um, don't know why I thought surgeon I could have maybe picked another profession but oh well uh, I, do you know I always think back to John Kennedy at the Bernabeu with, with David Marshall behind him and like at the Bernabeu <laughs> at the new, oh, at are the, you even a embarrassing at, at the new camp or the camp now uh, but no, I do. I think about like you know his performance there, and I, I and I understand Simon's point. But as as you see, Alan, um, none of these players are even making That's any a, of the benches. When you're winning, when you're hammering hibs at home, you're not even giving them five ten minutes domestically. So it, it doesn't do their development any good if you put them into a scenario that they're completely not prepared for, unless they are a prodigious talent. And I've, we've talked about that a lot. But the prodigious talents have I've largely left. gone. So uh, they they are playing. European football, under-21s at Liverpool, you know, Bayern, etc. So they aren't here anymore. And, you know, that is garbage, but that's the nature of it. Uh, quickly on Real Madrid, uh, obviously it's a game we wish we didn't have to play because it is a dead rubber, but, mm-hmm. you know, they have something to play for. How worried are you about a, a really tough night? Um, it's on paper the toughest game in the group. Um, it would have been nice if they'd won during the week. Um and therefore have secured first place because I mean, we've seen last night when Napoli played Rangers, they scored two quick goals. Um, I think we were salivating the thought of a, 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 a large defeat. But quite correctly, you realise that Napoli have got to manage domestically and uh, in Europe. So they took the foot off the gas and and that's what... It, you know, that's what you, you hope will happen. Or well, when you say you hope will happen... If we can see two goals, I hope they take the foot off the gas. Yeah, what you really want to do is you want to get out there where we're not getting embarrassed. You know, a really heavy European defeat. Because that will really put a sour note on the campaign because, again, in time we'll look back at some of the positives. But um, it's one of those ones where, you know, if we'd won the weekend, you could even go in there dreaming the dream, you know, if you get a result. You could possibly go into the Europa League. Now it's just about getting the campaign finished and not denting the players' confidence with a heavy defeat. We know they're capable. Um, we know we're going over. We're capable of going over there and performing well. But we saw what happened in the first game against them. Pure quality killed us off after we had essentially ran our race early on. So for me, it's not. I'm not going to say I'll, I'll take four 0 or anything like that just now. We're not at that stage. What I really just want is for us to go over there, to give a decent account of ourselves, not get embarrassed, and I. A goal, at least for the away fans, would be nice. Yeah, Alan, I guess you're the same. No, looking forward to it. I, I've not seen his play at the Bernabeu before, so I think it is one that, granted, we don't want to be going in these circumstances, but like you say, make it competitive for these players. Um, I think they would like to get something. You know, It's not going to change the nature of the group, but I think it would be a big boost. So you need to go and just treat it much the same way you did the home game. I know, Sir Manny, aye. No, it's I not something he's not playing. So it's, but I think there is a way you can go and try and make it competitive because if you don't, then that is when you end up in the scenario where you, get you, you do get hammered. Um, because if you go and think, well, you know, hopefully we don't get hammered, chances are you get hammered. Go make it competitive, see what you can do. Try and play your best football and you never know what can happen. No. no. <laughs> 
We're going to play the same way we've played the other five games. We that's, know that. Exactly. That's right. that's what we're going to do. What I, you know, but what I don't want us to do go there is to go and, as you said, be competitive. Don't give half measures, right? Don't take lead from me because I just wish the game wasn't happening now to an extent. And I, for me, there is a wee sour note because you're right. How long have we talked about Real Madrid in the Champions League? And because it's the last game and it and it doesn't mean anything, it does take the edge off it for me. Maybe I'm in my own. Maybe other people are excited about it. We know Alan is quite clearly. <laughs> me, on the other anyway. hand. I, Maybe I'm being negative here, but I just want to come away from there, not embarrassed, and put this campaign to bed. Fair point. Um, We've got Livingston on Sunday. Obviously, we we play uh, Real Madrid on Wednesday. We get Livingston on Sunday. Um, We've got that extra recovery day. Jink, that that obviously that's a positive. What Jink will do on that day, Alan? Jink will just have the day off to kind of yeah, it'll be off game um, on Sunday. They'll be off. Monday, just in for maybe any treatment, and then you know they'll be flying. They'll train. I'd assume in Glasgow on Tuesday, and then they'll fly after that. It's been kind of the. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, the game we've got obviously we're Tuesday to Sunday, so like you think they'll use that. Oh, it's been off, been off Wednesday as right, well, right. I'd imagine, and then you know, hopefully the preparation. Hopefully, you don't need an extra day's training because you're not planning a major shifting system that would require you to, you know, have a kind of wee run through with the players. So, no, I think. When you're at this stage of the season, when you are playing two games a week, I think that the schedule really does take care of itself. Players are just about ticking over and make sure you're fit and ready um, and that you're well prepped about what the opposition are going to do. And, you know, Livy presents a very, very different challenges to the, the two games that um, bookend it. So, you know, that is difficult, but I think it all takes care of itself in this stage of the season. It's just about making sure you're recovering and you're ready to go for the next one. And then you do have a wee mini season now before the break. I think there's five games now, including Madrid to go until the players break off of the World Cup, then you will have time to work with the players, maybe try a couple of different things and hopefully build some of them back up again. Um, and, you know, that would be positive. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking about it, Samani? Is it, you know, this is a, a fixture over the last two or three years where kind of have dreaded going to, going to it just because mm. we've not performed particularly well there. Obviously, they, we talked about it last week, the monkey off the back on in, in March. How are you feeling about going to this game now? Um... I think I'm confident. I mean, it, we sometimes build these things up in our heads. You know, Livingston weren't in the top league for a long time, so steady as it say, you know, Celtic haven't beaten Livingston in however many years it was. You know, it wasn't a, an accurate reflection of how many times we had played them in that period. And um, the first game against them last season wasn't good, but we've already covered how threadbare the squad was at that time. Basically, when we won there in March... We won there at a canter. I think the manager treated it like any other game, picked the team to play the opposition and it you know, it was a great performance. I thought we played really well. We really put them good. to bed quite quickly. So I, I'm not it's not a ground I don't like going there more so because of the pitch rather than expecting Livingston to, you know, put up a fantastic performance and it's it's not like Tynecastle. You know, you don't think they're gonna raise their game, they're gonna be like this. It's more like we have to go and play here on that surface, you know, crappy wee stadium and all that. Maybe that's a wee bit disrespectful, but you know what I mean? It's just, Alan's shaking his head, thanks very much. It's, Spawn. It's, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's more about that. It's more about the atmosphere as opposed to the Livingston as a team. And saying that, they can organise themselves well defensively. They're off the back of a lovely result at the weekend there. So, you know, it's not one that I'm being completely complacent about. But nor is it one of those games that is ranks up there with Tynecastle or you know going Easter Road or 
Pataudry, these are the, are the stadiums where you get a wee bit more of an edge about you in terms of going into them because you know there are places where they can rise to the occasion. You can potentially beat them quite heavily if you're on form, but you're just not sure. Despite what's happened with Livingston, I don't feel that way. Um, Alan, what are you thinking um, regarding sort of personnel? Like, would you like to see a lot of changes? Obviously, we get the game on, on the Wednesday I'm dread to think about, but the leagues are bread and butter. So what are you thinking personnel-wise? I mean, it is really difficult to guess that top end of the park for us at the moment. I think the midfield will probably pick itself. I think he'll go back to what he did. I think defensively, he'll probably go back to what he, your primary would be. You know, Juranovic, Taylor, Jens, presumably still, and um, Carter Vickers. And then the midfield three, I think, probably does pick itself. It's that forward three that are, you know, I, I don't think there's a anyone screaming out to say I'm a guaranteed starter at this point in time. Mm. You know, Dyson made that a great game there last year. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think what, just very lastly on Livy, I think what they, they're very, very good at is they make teams play on their terms. They give up the things that they know they can probably deal with, but what they try and do is stop teams doing the things that they want to do. You know, for example, if Jota plays, they'll probably try and show him down the line and say deliver. They'll try and they try and tease you into doing things that they think they can probably do with. They might not. They might make a mistake. Player might nip in before. But if you do that, that's when it can become quite a different game. And that's what Samani talks about how it's different from Tynecastle because Hearts will try and get on top of you and bring the stadium on top of you and try and make it as make the pitch feel like it's tiny. Whereas Livy will just try and allow you to have the ball and let you down the side, but they'll just try and protect the box, and that's what can make it difficult. So I think what you want to do is try and... I think there's always a temptation to think, right, Ralston and GG guaranteed starter, mm. and think about physicality. I think actually what you really need to try and do is, is try and get players that are really, really comfortable playing inside, because delivering from out wide unless you are beyond and you're cutting back... There is really not a lot of value. Even if you do start GG, you don't want to just be sending balls into the box. You want to be trying getting beyond and cutting back or playing inside. So don't allow them to dictate the terms of the game. And I think the way you do that is by picking players intentionally that are very adept at that and, and hope the conditions are good and hope that the, the front three that you do pick play well in the day because I think that's where recently there's been a slight you know, variety in our level of performance. Chris? Yeah, I think obviously they're not the same team. Um, well, very obviously they're not the same team as St Mirren, but I think you can learn lessons from that game because we started that game very comfortably on the ball, retaining possession, knocking it about, um, but then got into a rhythm of doing that, doing very little in terms of retaining the possession, but not being incisive, not doing some of the you know the, the sharp, fast passing that we've done that's cut teams open like this. Um, so... You can take the lessons from that game in terms of what you might want to do in terms of you know cutting cutting a team open like that. And Alan points out that they St Mirren did that as well. I think they they, they allowed us to do things that they thought that they could deal with. Um, and it's then up to us to produce that wee bit of quality so that we can kind of cut through that. I think if you get an early goal or you get a goal, you know that makes it more difficult for them to do what you're doing. And then you can get the second, you can get the third. So it's it's important to be incisive and sharp and not just settle into a rhythm of kind of knocking at the door which we we did there we get caught and then we get caught again and by that point you knew in terms of the rhythm and how the team were going that we weren't going to come back so learn a lesson from that but you know i don't think we should go there and not be confident of of taking a couple of goals off them and having a 
an easy win. See, when you said the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when you said the midfield picks itself, do you mean Moy or do you mean Haksabanovic? Uh, I think it's the fact Moy. I, I, I would like to see Haksabanovic in the middle, but you think it's going to be Moy? Well, that's what he went with in a huge away game at Tynecastle. I don't think your Idaguchis, your Turnbulls, and your McCarthy's. McCarthy's, Abelgards, etc. don't appear to be... I know Turnbull would have kind of not recently. He's maybe a wee bit different, but he's maybe your first sub. But I don't imagine he would throw him into start. Um, it, it does feel like that is his primary midfield three at the moment. Um, and, and I would exp- highly like, likely you'll see that on Sunday. I'd like to see Haksabanovic. I think he's got the tools to unlock defences in a way that not a lot of people on our team do. I mean, the performance that Haksabanovic put again put in against St Johnston was probably it's the most well-rounded performance that he's put in. Yeah. You've talked about that, Alan, in terms of giving him that freedom of movement um, around, you know, the box to kind of drift. You know, I, I would tend to agree that we could have success with a player like that. They are doing that. I don't think the manager will go with it. Regardless of what we or anybody else thinks of Moy, he is a player the manager trusts and certainly feels there's big merit in playing just now. And you know what? Moy was one of the worst offenders if we're making the comparison in the St Mirren game. But that doesn't necessarily mean that'll be the case this Sunday. So if he started, I wouldn't throw my hands up in the air and say yeah. that that's, that's a mistake. But certainly he would need to be far more incisive trying to bring the ball forward because he was, he, was, he was probably the worst culprit in terms of just knocking it safe and kind of keeping it rotating. We're going to need a, a more um, attack-minded direct, performance yeah. direct aye, from I think as well, just on top of that, the fact that Ange hasn't used Haksilanovic in the middle in both of the last games when you're missing McGregor probably tells you he's played Moy in there against Hearts and he played Kyogo and granted it was a slightly amended role. Two games where you could have potentially did it and you haven't, so I think it probably does kind of... So do you think you'll play Haksilanovic wide if uh, is not available? Yeah, I, I, don't, I would assume so. Um I would imagine it'd be Haksabanovic plus one, but it, it would be a good game to get Jota back for. I would be yeah. very, very relieved to see him back and fit and available for this kind of wee run to you know mid-November. Um, the game obviously kicks off on a Sunday. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll have a reaction straight afterwards on the Cynic.co. Tomorrow on the Cynic.co, we've got the Lunch Club, which uh, will have more backup detail of the Livingston versus Celtic match. We've got uh, some opposition analysis and we'll kind of break the game down, as well as the Celtic FC Women versus Glasgow City game at the weekend, which is a huge fixture for Celtic women. Um, final question of the day before we wrap up, is from Aqua Al. And he says, based on this season's form, is Greg Taylor becoming a player we could struggle to hang on to next summer? Supplementary question. If he went to a top half English club, would he be legitimately challenging Robertson Tierney for left back position at Scotland? Thoughts, Christopher Sermani. Is he one we're going to struggle to hold on to? Because the, the way I have is we've we've struggled left back for... You know, Izaguirre was great and then he got injured and never really recovered from that. Tierney comes in, um, just kind of out of nowhere, becomes this fantastic player. He goes, Taylor comes in. We've had actually quite a good succession, but pre, you know, pre-Izzy, good form. You know, we had a lot of really, really kind of sketchy players playing at left back. Taylor, I know we, we joke about him, but he probably is right up there for player of the year. He's been tremendous this season. Uh, you worried about the Sharks? 
do they smell blood in the water? You're like that, over there. I'm just thinking in my head. I used to watch a cartoon called Shark and George, and the, the wee Crime tune. Busters of the Sea. Yep, that's the wee tune it. that's going yeah. through my head. Eh? Superb, love it. That's why I'm not a surgeon as well, because <laughs> that's the kind of thoughts I have. <laughs> I've kind of got the, the the vision, you know, like a a shark in a suit. You know, those overgrown shark heads. Mm-hmm. It was a cartoon that had that, wasn't it? Can you answer the question? I think it was an article in the Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> no, Greg Taylor is, I mean, again, just to reiterate what I said earlier on, Greg Taylor, when he first came to Celtic, took a long time to build into the player he is just now. And for me, he is player of the year so far. You know, Hitati might be the other um, candidate at this stage. But what you get with Taylor that you don't get with Hitati is a real, real consistency. You'll get Hitati playing some games and you'll think, my God, he is a Champions League quality midfielder. And you'll get other games where you're thinking, you know, you're not very good. <laughs> but Taylor, what Taylor, the thing that will stop Taylor going on is that he's not, he doesn't excel at either aspect of playing at left back. He's not, Brilliant going forward, nor is he brilliant defensively. He's just really good. And that's not what's required to move on and play at the upper echelons of the Premier League. Could he play in the Premier League for a team there? Uh, I think he could. Certainly could go down Championship. He's probably... He could easily do that. That's, you know, that's not in question. But for me, he's one of those guys that you want to stay for a long time potentially will stay for a long time because he's so steady he'll provide that continuity um, but he's not a guy at any point do I worry about us losing now if he's got another level to go up you might re- revise that going forward I'd, I'm, I'd, well, I would hope he would that would be great that would be great to see but what you've got right now is a guy who you absolutely trust at left back at any level which is miles above what a lot of us thought but at the same time I think that you don't need to worry about people sniffing around him because he's just, he's missing that spark, that bit of quality, um, both going forward, bit of quality. That sounds as if I'm putting the guy down, but that next level that would say he's a guy that we're, we're going to struggle to hang on to. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's one that you immediately look at and think if you were a scout, you wouldn't immediately look at and say he can improve us tomorrow. You could take out a player and put him in. He could play down in England. I don't doubt that because I don't like to, especially when you take away that top six, I think sometimes they're guilty of overplaying that league. Ah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think, I think the physical and maybe just some of the more, the the technical attributes at times aren't really what you would look for um, in a fullback. Um, but he's perfect for us. He's perfect for us at this moment and, and he has been exceptionally consistent this year. Um, so, you know, it hopefully will work well for us, but I wouldn't say he's one that I would be thinking at the end of the year that you would sell him for, for big money or anything. I think there is a kind of disparity between what he's doing for us and what he would immediately do for other sides, but hopefully, maybe he'll prove it. I think some man is, I'll do the same as him and leave that wee caveat, and I hope to be wrong again on Greg Taylor. Um, we've got, as I say, the Cynic.co uh, has podcasts every single day. Um, sometimes we've got more than one on each day. Uh, features, uh, previews, reactions, uh, the Cynic.co. We've got articles as well. So if you're interested in signing up and finding out what we're all about, it's the Cynic.co. Check us out. Um, this has been absolutely fantastic. I've ha- I've enjoyed it and I feel like we've got a lot of stuff off our chest. Alan Edgar will be back next week. Ready to rock and roll? Yes, ready to operate. Good to go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Alan's uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Edgar, of course. Uh, Chris Armani, pleasure, sir. 
Thanks. Enjoyed it. Lovely stuff from Alan Edgar, from Chris Manning, from myself, Chris Gallagher. This has been the Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. (laughs) 